Hey there, welcome to ATL and 29 of Peace Troops podcast, where we look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta, or maybe Las Vegas. Uh, the Hawks are in Summer League. They put together a basketball team, and I'm here with Glenn Willis to talk about that particular basketball team. Uh, I... I did not get to watch game one live, but I was only shortly behind mm. and, uh, you know, I had a family birthday thing. And, and, you know, as I was catching up in game one to live, I, I cheated a little bit and I got like middle of the third quarter. And I was like, well, if I just go a few minutes ahead, I can, I can catch up to live action. So I did. And by the time the game was over, I was just tired of watching it. So I was like, I'm going to watch that third quarter later. And I went back to watch it. And in addition to horrific basketball, we had Isaiah Thomas shitting on offensive rating without quite understanding what offensive rating was, even though it was explained to him a couple of times. And then he's advocating for Bill Lambeer getting into the Basketball Hall of Fame. So in addition to uh, a suboptimal basketball product my ears were bleeding so that that's been my basketball viewing experience uh what, what did you think of the first couple of hawks summer league games uh well you know as as brad is one to say about me i'm a sicko so i i love all of this i mean i i enjoyed watching both games even if um you know there was a lot of ugly moments to kind of uh have patience through especially in game two, I thought game one to me was a fun watch. I mean, to watch the Hawks kind of put it back together on the fly and kind of get their defensive and stuff together, the rebounding stuff together. And they shot, they never started making shots. I don't think this team is going to make shots in any game they play in probably. Um, But, you know, that is, that's, that's kind of just kind of how the roster is. But yeah, I thought the broadcast today was like, if we're hitting on that side, was much better. Sure. Um, you know, I, and, and I'm a person who I I enjoy, typically enjoy Isaiah Thomas storytelling. He's one of the greatest storytellers. Like if you watch the, you know, all of the different shows they put on NBA TV, uh, I forget what kind of what they're called a basketball life, maybe, you know, or whatever. If you've ever seen the one about Dr. J, uh, the stories that Isaiah Thomas tells about Dr. J are impeccable, but on live TV during a game, you know, he brings a little too much Isaiah for me <laughs> and did, and did uh, in, in game one. So everybody's, everybody's going to make a case for their guys to be in the Hall of Fame. It's not, it's not unique to him, but we don't need to do that in the middle of the game. And then he was like, we're only doing this because it's a bad game. Well, in the fourth quarter, the game got pretty good. And, you know, I don't think anyone noticed <laughs> on the broadcast crew that the game got pretty good in the fourth quarter. So. But that's that's summer league. The and that, I mean, you could tell some announcers don't know who half the players are. You could tell other uh, announcers have done their kind of their prep or are exposed to through some you know means who more of these, who you know some of these players are and things like that. It's just it's a, it's a real mixed bag. But I love summer league. I mean, uh, you know, uh, I'm usually there. Um, I'll be back next year in person. Um, and uh, can't wait. Uh, there's there's no better place to learn. It's an opportunity to sit 
no matter what, because it's, it's basically general admission for everyone, uh, except in except for some sections that are kind of ripped off to teen staff, you know, media or whatever. And you and it's not hard at all to get down literally right one row behind the bench and to hear all of the coach coaching comms, all of the terminology they're using. And so I've used it all the time to do kind of a, a refresh on my NBA terminology, what actions are being called what and what defensive calls are being called what and what teams are, are using which um, terminology and things like that. Of course, that's my thing. That's the thing I mean, I'm interested in. So it's it's awesome. And I can hear a good bit of it on live TV when Isaiah stops yapping for a few seconds and <laughs> I can even still hear a good bit of that stuff. But uh, but yeah, the the hog for, for Hawks fans that have been looking for some um, pleasing basketball to watch, that's been a rougher experience, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> well, well, let's start there actually, because uh, with the injuries. And some absences. We get no AJ Griffin. Uh, he's supposedly day to day, and with the Hawks in a back to back, I guess there was no point in playing him today because they wouldn't play him two days in a row. I don't think coming off that kind of thing. So maybe tomorrow. Uh, and Oops. no uh, Jalen Johnson. Right. So there's not a whole lot of like roster impact here. Like most of the performances that go down here aren't going to impact the Hawks 15 man, 14 man roster or 17 man. If you want to include two ways, right. Uh, you know, we've got Tyrese Martin, we've got Shondi Brown, uh, but like, you know, we've we got Sharif Cooper, but like, let, let's actually start with the coaching. Like what, what have you seen from the Hawks sort of overall in terms of like in-game adjustments? Uh, over over the course of each of these two games so people who have kind of followed my uh, hawks analysis for a while will know that one of the things that i one of the opinions i had about lloyd pierce um was that he threw a lot defensively at his young especially his young rosters just you know for year one and and all that ran a lot of different stuff um, I felt like the the first thing I noticed in game one was like, wow, they're running some pretty complex stuff on defense for a group that's never played together before. They've had, what, two, maybe three days of kind of organizing and walkthroughs and some practice and scrimmage and things like that because they were uh, had their bigs up, you know, and typically if you're doing – have a brand-new team that hasn't gone before together, you're going to do some basic things like drop the big, everybody knows he's back there, you know simplify the comms and all that sort of stuff, but they're playing very aggressive scheme on defense, a lot of switching, heavy, heavy switching bigs up. Um, and then like the first quarter of game one, it's like, there was no defensive rhythm at all. Like whoever was the low man had no idea they were the low man. Uh, and, and they may have known they were the low man, but the way that the switching was impacting the pace of the other team's offensive action the jazz like there is no feel for when they need to tag the roll or when they need to get to the rim and so the whole first quarter was kind of just throw it out the window defensively they, they couldn't handle what nick van exel and the rest of the coaching staff was asking them to do out of the gate now it, to me what they were doing on defense was heavily a carryover from what we saw in the new college park right they're playing mostly small lineups except when um is it uh potter um, why don't I not see him on the roster now? Uh, the 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 third big man they have playing. Anyway, I think it's his name. 
I'll have to look it up. Um, but but basically, in, in College Park, they played small. Jalen at the five, Tillman at the five. A lot of looks like that and a lot of switching and a lot of bigs up high on the floor um, and, uh, and things like that. So it, it, to me, it would seem that organization, they're testing something or using that defensive approach for de- specific developmental purposes. And so that was a straight carryover from College Park and into this. To, and, and that that suggests to me like there's something development, that they believe there's something development in it developmentally valuable there and or they might be thinking about moving more towards more of this right with their actual nba team you think about what they might do with more of a congu at center right, right? We've, we've talked about that and so i thought you know the you know in the first game they went more to their quote veteran lineups after the first quarter and as the game went on it was their quote veteran lineups to kind of stabilize them and help them move to get back into the game uh and then game two i thought it was um you know exactly the same defensive scheme. I thought they were more solid um, communicating at the point of switches, containing the ball a little bit. And I thought, I thought today that the Pelicans just made a bunch of threes, you know, but that they were much more solid on the interior. They're much more solid in their help from the weak side, low man tagging, all that sort of stuff. Um, and their transition defense went from D minus to D plus, maybe, maybe C minus today. And so I feel like, you know, with Nate's philosophy, what they're working on with this group is kind of 80% of it really is focused on the defense to kind of see if they can kind of implement these principles and who can grasp them quickly and kind of apply them quickly and, and things like that. And it was good to see Shandi organizing a lot of that in game one, kind of helping get some things corrected there. It doesn't surprise me. You also saw a lot of uh, Marcus George's hunt kind of doing that. He has a lot, he's a, he's a young veteran. I would call him that that really knows how to defend and things like that. So that's what I saw on the defensive end. I, I think you were generous giving the transition defense a, a D minus for game one. It was, <laughs> no, that was, that was F like, and remember like, uh, you know, I have to do some more grading later tonight. Like there's, there's <laughs> lots of F's like a 60 is an F, but a 35 is also an F. And, and that might've been like a 35. Like, I think whatever it was, like if you said D plus, whatever it was, it was a lot, I thought it was a lot better than it was in game one. Like it wasn't pretty, but at least there was like, awareness and effort i mean there were a whole lot of fouls but at least they were like running and seeing and moving like in game one it was just like watching the ball go over their head yeah yeah i wasn't trying to be scientific but yeah f i mean you're, you're right f um i try to give a team credit when they got a little when they get a little better from the first quarter but the, but the first quarter was a zero right at game yeah. one first quarter game one was a zero so Maybe they got it to a 40 and maybe I'm giving them too much credit getting to a 63 or <laughs> whatever a D minus is these days. Um, but yeah, you're right. And I mean, and it was, what was strange was that because I wrote the follow for Peace Your Hoops from game one, like Sharif was like the worst mm-hmm. in transition defense. Like he was just not when he was the first guy back. It's like he didn't realize he was the first guy back and he wasn't, you know, kind of kept trying to catch the first guy and then as being a small guy as quickly as he can't hand him off to uh, the next kind of big ish defender that kind of got back. There was none of that. So um, yeah, so that was, that was kind of wild, but yeah, yeah. I mean, they were a lot better on defense, even though if you looked at the scoreboard, you wouldn't have any idea that that was the case. If you just looked at the 
stats, you wouldn't think that was the case. But, you know, I thought the Pelicans just made a bunch of perimeter shots. They were much, much more solid in their scheme execution of game two, I thought, on defense. Uh, you're going to try to make me, like, devote, like, 10 minutes to a Kindle, aren't you? Nope. Okay, no, that's I... good. <laughs> <laughs> 15 let's stick out there we go let's uh, let's start maybe with Tyrese Martin yeah okay what have you seen yeah so he was really he was probably the roughest in the half court defense to start game one uh in my view um but but he looked what I liked about him was that he was accepting coaching and he was accepting leadership from the more veteran guys on the floor he got incrementally better there in, in game one, he looked like he was ready to kind of grab a rebound and go and push. We saw, I think, twice where he he, he was aggressive in that. I don't think the execution was uh, great um, there. But in game two, he had uh, he was good in transition. I think in game two, he created a lot. He and Ayaye um, were both kind of really active uh, in game two, even if, like, finishing the transition possession wasn't great. Um, I don't – I don't he, – he shot – so Martin shot the well, the ball – a lot better last year in college. Um, he was never really uh, much of a shooter until last year and his numbers came up. Um, and, but he looks like a guy who uh, I don't know if he'll ever shoot enough to be a rotation guy. That's probably going to be the one thing. He has good size, good activity. Um, he kind of fixes mistakes pretty quickly. Uh, you know, he's an older rookie. He's not a 19 year old, you know, right. uh, and maybe that, and that matters, uh, some and stuff. And he was with a couple of different programs and sometimes that helps actually to be in different programs at the college level. Um, but I, he's aggressive and, and when, you know, and Nick Van Exel, if you listen to his post-game comments during game one, he wants his guys to attack their defender with a dribble. And he has not hesitated to do that. And I like that aggressiveness. I like that he's at, you know, do, trying to do that. And then today he was like in the first half, he had several good, uh, you know, paint attacks with the dribble, got to the rim, finished a few times and stuff. So I feel like he's got kind of a somewhat of a baseline of skills. He's shown somewhat of a baseline of skills to work with, the defensive activity, good rebounding, ready to push, needs to work on his skill set kind of in that area, but he's willing to kind of try to help create pace. And then um, on offense, he's willing to attack his guy with his dribble. He's not shy about that. Uh, the only three he's made was a was a nice uh, dribble relocation three in game one. Uh, there right. at the left three point break, that was a nice process. And so for a guy playing his first two professional games in any setting, and especially in a situation where the defense, the the, the coaching staff is throwing a lot at him defensively, I think he's done pretty well overall. Yeah. All right. Uh... Sharif Cooper is is there much to be said there? Like he he's got uh, you know I guess a hand issue that almost kept him out of game one, but right. uh, you know one of the things that you, we've heard uh, Nick Van Exel say in his post game comments is or maybe practice comments is that you know the their opponents have done a, a ton of switching and that's just the way the NBA is. And uh, it doesn't seem like Sharif is able to give his offense an advantage facing that kind of defense in these first two games. Yeah. It's strange because last year he was pretty good in summer league. Uh, you know, he, I mean, um, 
you know, he had turnovers and he, he had turnover issues his one year in college, you know, and all that sort of stuff. So, um, so I can't make any sense of what I'm seeing with him. Like, like, is this all the hand or, you know, in game one, it's like Jared Butler was just like all up in his business the whole game. Right. As like, so game one is like, is this just Jared Butler doing Jared Butler stuff? I mean, cause Jared Butler can really defend on the ball, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so after game one, I was like, well, okay, now he's done with Jared Butler or maybe we're just going to see a more normal Sharif in game two. And it, I think it got worse <laughs> in yeah. game two, you know? And so I don't, I don't know what's going on there. Um, you know, I, it's, it's, I, I can't explain it. It's not good. It's really bad. Um, but you know, is it the hand? I don't know. Is there something, you know, something else kind of going on there? I don't know. In game one, I thought uh, having him play just with Alpha Kabah was, Maybe uh, not great because he and Tillman played together a lot in College Park last year. And I thought, well, you know, get him some time with Tillman and maybe this will go better. And it did like marginally, you know, in game one, Uh, but it didn't fix like the, you know, much. It didn't fix a lot. So, you know, that was a theory I had. But I don't know. Do you have anything like anything you're seeing to kind of you can pinpoint or is it just he's uh, just had a really rough couple of games? He's, He's better than this. I know he's better than this. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not, it's not a, it's not a nuanced thing. Yeah. I mean, it's reads, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a little bit of everything. It's, you know, shot, it's confidence. Like there's a lot of yips. There's a lot of, they're not even there. It's like, there are a lot of shot fakes that aren't even even, they're not really shot fakes. They just look like kind of yips almost or something. Like, I don't know. It yeah, doesn't I, seem like he's trying to fake anybody. It looks like he's just trying to, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, part of today was like, just shut him down. I mean, I don't know. That, I don't know that this is helping him. I mean, maybe, maybe in going forward, he'll figure some stuff out, figure out kind of what's been holding him back and what, you know, you know, I mean, I always enjoy seeing guys kind of problem solve and kind of, you know, break through whatever it is. But man, when they're watching, I, I, it didn't really give me a lot to feel super encouraged about there, you know. So, but, but I mean, fingers crossed, hopefully it gets better. Because um, I, I have no doubt he's better than what we're seeing in these two games. So he's right. clearly better, I mean, better than that. Yeah. I mean, I would put more stock in an entire, you know, G League season than two summer league games with right. brand new faces and brand new teammates. For sure. Uh, I, I'm intrigued by Sean D. Brown. I mean, I, that's not new. Uh, right. They're, they're playing him a lot at small forward, mm-hmm. which, I mean, I kind of get as an academic exercise, but I, it does seem like that's kind of, pushing him out of his comfort zone i don't think that that's like his future i think it's more just reps and you know you get a different skill set but uh what, what have you seen from him in in first couple games well i mean so when he was asked after game one he goes yeah two three i'm, I'm playing i'm playing the way i'm a wing you know and then i i went back on basketball reference to see how they classified his minutes last year and they, i think it was all the two and the three which was not he I, he played power forward during those that covid stretch during i thought every stretch for sure 
But, but that's not how that's not how basketball reference. But I mean, it's one of those weird things. Like when he was on with Lance, right? Who was the three and who was the four, right? Um, you know, I know when I watch, I'm like, well, I know what the power four does in all of their sets. Yeah, <laughs> I was, say. was doing that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Lance was on ball, right? A lot, yep. right? Creating and stuff. So I just thought they kind of got that wrong. But uh, I mean, he's what he's like six five, and so the what he says is, I can play the power four in small lineups. I think is the way he put it. Um, but I just don't think he's a good enough ball handler to play kind of on the wing. I think he has a lot to offer. Um, you know, he's really good, uh, kind of as a help defender at the four and can do, uh, a lot kind of working through screen actions and things like that. Um, good and double drag, uh, just, he's a smart, resourceful player. I thought we saw a lot of that in game one. I think as game one went along, I think it it looked like he realized like he's going to have to have a lot of the. Uh, three-point shooting workload which he you know he kind of helped shoot them back into the game in the fourth quarter of game one he had a really rough offensive game in game two uh for sure it looked like he was trying to do uh more than he's capable of doing and maybe that goes back to the point guard play and him trying to just kind of pick up you know and take some ownership or or whatever but i i still like him i think he's a a, a great guy to have on a two-way and i think he has a future in the league whether he ever gets to kind of a, a bulletproof spot in a rotation, I think kind of remains to be seen. I think he's going to have to learn how to uh, kind of play against guys that are a lot bigger than him, you know, when he's kind of at the four and deal with that, rebound the ball against bigger guys, um, defend against bigger guys. And I think the trick for him kind of getting a, a real, real place in the league is learning how to um, compete against guys that have more size than he has. Um, so in that sense, playing him with the three in summer league doesn't, in my mind, help him too much, but um, it gets him into a little bit more kind of creation space and stuff like that, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I, I, I wouldn't be looking to do that long term, but I mean, I, I can, I can kind of see it. Like, but everything you said, like, I completely agree with. Like, he's obviously a a really good athlete and strong and he's a really good defender uh he's got a lot of wingspan so like you you put that all together and like the idea of him playing upsize against bigger guys does not seem like a gigantic uphill task right Uh, yeah he's i mean he has a good build for a smaller quote smaller guy right mm -hmm. he's got a lot of core strength and um like you said some length and things like that and then he's our in my mind he's already a professional defender i mean he like he knows exactly he he really knows what he's doing out there so you know and, and i was uh, you know conversing with a few people on twitter and i was like you know with gallo gone i'm, I'm assuming if Jalen d- doesn't start the season in the rotation because of injury or just wanting more prep time i was like maybe they're going to use some of the these days early in the year to play behind jc if jc's still on the roster obviously right. um but i was like you know typically when you have a guy to it there's a plan for like oh we're going to use his days early or we're going to save his days. Uh, and now they, they're lacking some some depth at, on the wing right now. And so uh, maybe in their mind, like, well, we know he could play the four. So let's kind of see how he does at the three right. and see if he could be a depth piece for us there or not. And so this could be a trial run to see if they can feel like they can count on him for like 10 minutes a game at the three if they need to uh, for some parts of the regular season. So maybe they're, maybe they're giving him a chance to show what he can kind of do at that position uh, because of the lack of depth they have on the – on their own roster right now at, the, at that spot. Yeah, that's concerning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, that's not, he's not good enough with that stuff yet. They may never be, uh, you know, so. Um, 
I, I do like his, you, you mentioned sort of him scaling up maybe the jump, the jump shot volume uh, relative to the point guard play that the Hawks have had. And it's like, it does, he does seem to have that kind of a shot that, you know, he, he, he doesn't seem dissuaded by closeouts. Like he, he can get up his shot with volume uh, if need be. Like he can space to where he knows he can get it up. He's he's got a very repeatable shot with a high release, and and he kind of jumps forward, but he jumps up so that it. it I don't know. Like I, I've watched Akinjo for two games, and his jump shot sort of <laughs> looks like somebody playing like NBA Two K for the first time. Like he he jumps, and I like I kind of like when players jump forward into their jump shot a little bit, but like his just seems like unpredictable. Like Sean D's is like like predictable and predictable in a way that it just seems like, you know, if he, if he was like a, a starting power forward, you know, and in, in playing 28 minutes a game or something, you know, if, if the defense was uh, not being attentive, he'd, he'd get up five, six, seven decent shots. Uh, yeah. I don't yeah, know. A little, like I, yeah, a little bit of the Jay Crowder template, right? Yeah. Right there. Yeah. 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 No, Akinjo looks to me like, a person playing uh, 2K on their friend's console that is different than the console they use at home. So all the buttons are like, you know, like where is the jump button? Where's the shoot button? And it looks like all the timings turned off because of that. That's what it looks like to me. Yeah. And I, I've really enjoyed the Kinzo as, as but you now, know. Now, now tell me about the good parts. Cause like he, he got Alpha Kaba going, like, didn't he? In, in game one, like Kaba was kind of lost in that starting yeah. role. And then in the second half, it's like, you know, he's rolling and then the pocket passes were coming his way. Yeah. First assist was a nice side pick and roll with Alpha, which was secondary action. It wasn't what they called uh, first. It was kind of um, ad hoc and perfect pass there. He hit cutters. He had the IA with a really nice cut at one point, um, kind of an impromptu one, three pick and roll. The kind of they set up late in the shot clock. And so for me, it was, I was just as impressed by kind of the impro- improvisation that he demonstrated, like this. On the initial action, all the passes were there. He hit Tillman a couple times. He hit Alpha a few times. He hit a couple cutters a couple times, and so he was just so confident you know, attacking his man, uh, setting up his setting up the screener. Excellent timing, letting the screen get set and hitting that screen with perfect timing. Right. And so he just looks a he looks like a professional pick and roll guy, kind of when he's kind of getting all of that going. And then the deliveries were were great. And he, I thought he was really good again today too. But but um, in the fourth quarter, you could see they started to sag off of him and kind of kind of let him have all the space he wanted around that screen, and uh, he can't do anything with that at this point in time. So that's what would happen. Like if someone thinks oh, Glenn's really excited about him, he should be the backup point guard. No, not at all, because the opposing defenses would just like sink and like make him shoot, and that would be that'd be the end of that <laughs> for now. But I I mean you know for a guy who's you know first two professional games. I was super impressed with his confidence, his aggressiveness, his uh, his uh, being having timing with like three or four different guys, you know, cutting to the rim that he hasn't played before. So, uh, and then defensively, he's you know he's he's a he doesn't have a lot of size to work with in terms of length, but I thought he's always in the way, always working hard. And so I'm like, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if like after three years in Europe or whatever that if he can kind of figure out how to shoot and and really kind of make continue to optimize himself defensively if he kind of comes back and shows up and 
is in the league. He's a, he's a pretty long way away from that right now, but he's got a few things. That I think they're probably making some, some NBA teams like, we'll keep an eye on this guy, you know? Uh, so I've enjoyed him a lot, but that's in a summer league context. And the fact that this is not his second or third or fourth summer league. Uh, and he's not on a, a, a team with, um, you know, bigs that are um, kind of elite, you know, above the rim finishers, you know, and he's still making it work. So that's what I've enjoyed, but yeah, he's, he's probably been the, um, apart from kind of just enjoying Shandy's leadership and stuff like that, he's probably been the, the most enjoyable watch for me so far through two games. Shooting aside. Is there anybody else uh, or anything else notable? Um, what you th- what have you thought about Ayaye? Um, he's been, I mean, he looks like a, a good summer league player, a good G League player. And, but someone was asking me like, you know, is I was like, he's probably going to get a camp contract with someone, right? He's probably going to get, you know, one of those, as teams build their 20-man roster, he probably is going to get a camp contract somewhere. And, but he's going to be in the G League again, you know? So I, you know, none of the, I don't, if you ask me like, can any of these guys make the roster? You know, the answer is no. Alpha hasn't, Alpha isn't any better. I don't think he's, his hands are a little better than the last time we saw him, what was three years ago, whatever that was. Right. Um, But everything else looks exactly the same. Uh, He's not an NBA player. Um, I mean, Marcus George's hunt has gotten several looks by different teams and things like that. And he's a, a guy who uh, is kind of going to be on 10 days now. And then when the team's dealing with injuries, cause he's, he's a comp, just a competent, he's undersized, but he's just a competent guy. He's going to be in the right place and all that sort of stuff. But I mean, Sharif, like we know he's better than this. Where is he right now? Um, I think that um, Shandy is a future NBA rotation player. If he can work out all of the nuances that come with playing against guys that are bigger than him, we haven't seen Griffin. Uh, we obviously not seen Jalen. Uh, I don't see any other guys here that really kind of factor except for a Ken Joe, like I said, three, four years in the line wouldn't surprise me if he comes back and, and gets a place in the league. You know, if he can figure out a, a few of the other kind of areas, Chris Clemens, Chris Clemens can really, really shoot, but he's, about my size so <laughs> you know and uh you know i think i might even be a little bit bigger than him you know which isn't you know which isn't great for him um so and then tell i know hawks fan i guess we should it'd be bad if we didn't talk about tillman right i mean he's been their best player right yeah, yeah. i mean it's just hard to see it's just hard to see like the nba future like he's he's like rashawn holmes without the vertical pop like it's yeah, he's got I mean, the. I, lo- got I love the, what he does. Yeah, yeah, he's got nice touch. Um, super active, great timing in the pick and roll. He moves well. He's he knows exactly what he's doing. He has a little bit from a size standpoint. He's not nearly as bulky, but he he he's about Montrezl Harrell's height. You know, I think that even that might be generous. No, I don't. I don't think Montrezl. I mean, he's talking. listed at six eight, but. Yeah, I, th- I don't it's think like Montrez including is more like, like hair and everything. Yeah, but I think like, Trez, I is, Trez is like Paul Millsap size, like six six and a half. I think. Yeah. Um, but Trez is way really physical and really strong. It is, he, and he's has a lot more vertical pop, for sure. A great athlete, you know, and all that. But that, that's the thing is like Trez, it won't let you move him. Won't let you push him around. Won't let. Won't he? Won't he? Won't give up a spot. And Tillman just doesn't have that kind of functional strength at this point in time. And he's already 26. So, you know, he's probably going to make a nice uh, living in Europe, I think, mostly, right? That kind of player. Um, but, I mean, 
God, I mean, you, root for, you watch him play, how hard he plays and how good he uh, kind of works for his teammates and all that sort of thing. It makes you want to root for him for sure. But, um, but you know, he's a guy too. I think, I think Ayaye and him may get camp contracts, you know, you know, that, that have no actual legitimate path to an NBA team th- this season. Um, right. And, but I, I'd love for them to prove me wrong, like two years down the line, but I think that's what we have with this roster. Someone on Twitter asked me, is this, is this the worst like summer league team? I'm like, not even close. Like that, you know, considering there's no, lottery pick on this team and they and they said with griffin out and Jalen out is it the worst and i was like no trust me i've worst, been to what a, worst hawks summer league no, team for worst, recent memory worst, or worst 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 summer league 30. team like in vegas this year for example it's okay. like not even not even close not even close i mean like <clears throat> like marcus george's hunt knows how to play ayaya knows how to play right and the, they're they're competent basketball players, competent professional basketball players that just don't have the skill set and or the size to project in the NBA. But these guys know how to. This, the guys that they're putting on the court, apart from Tyrese Martin right now, they know how to play. Like I've seen it, summer league rosters where like half the guys on the team looked like they never even played basketball before. <laughs> so. And that's why they can't, you know, the Jazz had the advantage of playing three extra three games before. But there's that, just yeah. like, uh, I'm not saying they're like, good. I'm saying they're not, they're a long way from the worst team. I've like, seen. it's, it's hard to put like George Hunt next to Sean D. Brown and, and Alpha Kaba and say, okay, that's your three, four, five. It's like, you, that's just, doomed to fail against some of these switching defenses there's just there's no there's not enough shooting there's not enough ball handling there's, yeah it's 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 a bad it's a, it's a bad offensive roster i'm what i'm saying is that i don't think some NBA fans would not know like how really bad some of some of the rosters you'll find are like these these guys know how to these guys know how to play. There's not enough ball handling. There's not enough offensive creation, and that's especially true when Trey's playing this way, right? And so you know that's for sure true. But man, I'm I'm telling you, there's actual basketball players, actual professional basketball players on this roster, and I've seen summer league rosters that didn't have really any of that. <laughs> so I'm just saying they're. They're uh, bottom. They have to be bottom ten for this year, right? Right. But they're not the worst. They're, they actually have some competent basketball players on this, and, and that's why they figure it out in game one. Even though the Jazz came in with three games experience and came back and almost, you know, got it down to a one possession game because they played like professionals. They problem solved. They worked the process out. They got the communication down, and an offense shot. You know, they started uh, taking the shots that were there and making making them. They knew what shots they could create. That's what professional experience, even young vets, what I will call them here, they're like, oh, these are the shots that are available. So let's work for those shots. That's what they did in the second half of game one is they problem solved and they did that and they fixed and generated some offense that they knew was available. They knew were, were, that, that was there. So that's what I, as a coach, that's what I love. I loved watching them in problem solving game one and iron the process out on the fly, figure out what, what shots were there, go work for those shots, get those shots, make those shots. And that's why they lost by six instead of, you know, being down 15 or, or so the, the whole time. And they they made a little push in game two, but, but the Pelicans just made too many shots and the Hawks never found any shots that were working for them. But the Pelicans have one of the probably eight best rosters in this summer league. So not a huge surprise there. 
Okay. But yeah, there, there are there are much much worse summer league rosters than what the Hawks have. Even if this is a really offensively challenged roster. Yeah. Uh, all right. <laughs> let, let, let's wrap it there because uh, I play tomorrow. A, a lot of investment for uh, for a, a roster that's pretty much exactly what we just described, and uh, uh, some futures that are are exactly what we just described. And we're going to get to do it again soon, sometime later this week. So no need to belabor it. Sounds good. I can't wait to watch the rest of them. I know that sounds crazy, but I'm looking forward to watching the rest of these. So here we go. All right. Have a good one, Glenn. Thanks, Kevin.